it's been a bit of a uh, cracking first week of the Tour de France. It always is. Um, but this week, I reckon we've got more to talk about the normal. Kate Bates here for the Wheelhouse Cycling Podcast. Merksy, you're in the studio with me today. This is happening far too regularly, Catherine <laughs> Lindsay Bates. Oh, I'm a fan. I think our uh, community is a fan too. Oh, you're too kind. It's... Hurry back, Joel. <laughs> He'll be back next week. Um, you're just uh, keeping the seat nice and warm for him. Merksy, it's been a massive week. Started with tax in the Basque country. Madness. Yeah. Madness. And just when we thought, you know, a day ago um, it was meant to be, uh, you know, Pog's, Pog's gone. Gone for all money. Jonas is, is kicking his ass. And uh, a stage later, hello. He's, he's back. He's back. What a great race this is. Well, I mean, we saw Kofidis uh, take the first stage in the, the first yellow jersey. And I saw a cool line saying that... The last time Kofidis won a stage of the Tour de France was before Obama's two presidencies and Trump's presidency. Uh, just to give a little bit of context, 15 years it's been. Wow. Cool to see such a, a you know, an historic team, I suppose you could call them, winning a stage at the Tour. It yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, they kind of were talked about. I mean, they people have some nasty jokes about Kofidis, I have to say. They've kind of been seen as the whipping boys or kind of making up numbers out there. So that was a pretty big way to change the scene, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, good to see that jersey uh, on top of the podium. Well, the sprinters have been having fun. I've still been working my way through Unchained. Um, Merksy, have you finished the all of them yet? No, not yet. See, no, a lot of not. people binge them. I'm on the, the real thing. Oh, I know. I don't know. It's hard to watch, isn't it? But I, I did um, look at the episode Plan B about Jasper Philipson, where they call him Jasper Disaster. Actually, he introduces himself like that and he says it with a little bit of sadness in his eyes. It's an unpleasant episode to watch, let me tell you, Jasper Philipson. You feel sorry for him. Not anymore. No. How good is he going? How good is his Two sprinting? In a row. And uh, we, we must mention uh, Matthew Vanderpool leading him out beautifully. Do we say beautifully when he got relegated for throwing some elbows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he still won the race, though. He he did. It's It's been interesting. Jasper Philipson, by far the standout sprinter uh, at this stage. And if you're watching on, you'll notice that I'm wearing quite an interesting green-coloured garment. Um, to describe what it is, I, I would say it's a mix between kind of sage and uh, deep green, perhaps. Mm, mm. Uh it's not a particularly nice colour. It's uh, similar to the the green jersey this year, though. Exactly, what is going yes. on there? That's that's why I've got it on. Um, it's just not cricket. I don't know why. I, I think it might be that Skoda has changed their official colour, and so they've changed the green jersey that Skoda mm. uh, sponsors to don't be like this it. mooted green. But we do see uh, Jasper Philipson in the mooted green. Um, Sprinter's jersey. And interesting, uh, he says he's not interested in the points or the green jersey. Well, Van Aert, he's, he's second at the moment. Well, see, that's the thing, right? I, I think that we always hear the sprinters talking down. You know, Cav, he's not too stressed about the record. Um, Jasper Philipson, not too stressed about the green jersey. I don't know that I buy it. I think there's a lot of pressure on him, but he's really standing up to the plate. Uh, 
do you know who we haven't really seen crack that top five yet? Tell me. Mark Cavendish. He's He he said he's just warming up. Okay. All right. I have uh, full faith in him. You have full faith. Well, Especially look, with Renshaw there. That is, he's got his secret weapon there. Caleb Ewan. He's, uh, he's been best at third and then a second. So yeah. he's getting closer. It, he got close to a photo finish. Oh, don't do it. That's like... <laughs> A trauma response. Brian Cockard is sprinting uh, quite a lot out uh, for intermediate points. So he might be one to watch for the green as well. And what I find interesting about him, he won a tour of the uh, stage of the Tour Down Under this year uh, into the bottom of Wollonga when they didn't go up Wollonga Hill. And uh, he was a world champion, Olympic champion on the track uh, in the Omnium. So he's very, very quick, but it's mm. taken him quite a few years to really find his road sprinting legs. I reckon by the third week of the tour, that might be uh, two Kofita stage wins yeah. by the end. I find his Heavens. style, when he's sprinting for the line, his style, he throws his head and his body around. It's quite interesting to watch. He do- Well, okay, so we kind of skipped past it, Matthew Vanderpool, uh, you mentioned, but he did get relegated on stage four uh, for sticking his elbows out in the sprint and causing a little bit of uh, an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, we certainly... Um, don't support any kind of dangerous riding. But uh, it's probably a good reminder that in sprint designs, even if they have the slightest turn in them, it can really end up being quite messy. A lot of the riders just focusing on that straight line to the sprint. But if the finish line isn't a straight line and your elbows are out, uh, I'm glad that there wasn't too much carnage there. But interesting that Vanderpool, in previous years, it's been all about him getting stage wins. And now we're seeing him in a lead-out role. Yeah, he's very impressive. He is. Well, he also has been pretty active uh, in breaks as well. Can we get on to, uh, you know, the battle? The battle, Jonas and Tade. My cousin. My Danish cousin. The fishmonger. The fishmonger. <laughs> well, here at the wheelhouse, we do love uh, talking about Jonas and his uh, incredible... Exploits. You might remember, Merxy, you put together that beautiful clip last year mm. of all of the commentators really struggling uh, to pronounce Vingagor. his, his surname. We kind of landed on Vingagor, but that sounds almost a little bit Muppetsy the way just I say Just roll it. with Jonas. Yeah, that's why we're just going to roll with Jonas because I, I can't help but notice, uh, and I've watched a few different networks and a few different clips where once again in getting a bit of a divergent... Uh, view on how to actually say his name. But uh, regardless of what you call him, we have a ding-dong battle on our hands. Mm. At the end of stage six, he's in the yellow jersey, ahead of Pagacha. Next is the Aussie. The Aussie. We'll talk about Aussie the Jai. Aussie soon. But ha- how about Jonas putting a minute on Pagacha and everyone was quickly writing him off, saying he's he's not fit. He hadn't ridden a mountain stage Tarde since Paris-Nice. No, so it's I think that, interestingly, you can probably break down all of the GC contenders really separately, look at their strengths and weaknesses, and on different stages, seeing different things emerge. What I really liked about uh, Jonas's ride on stage five in particular, and then again on stage six, uh, was that, his team is starting uh, to really rally and come together um, for a team result. I point that out because 
Uh, Wout Van Art, Yumbo, teammate of Jonas. Well, he had his cranky pants on earlier in the tour. Chucked a water bottle, kind of blew a foo foo valve mm. after the finish after losing um, the sprint and not getting the result he wanted. But it appears to me like, and we'll have to wait for next year's uh, version of Unchained, but it appears to me like Wout and Jonas have sat down, they've smoked the peace pipe, and they've said, let's get this done. One team, one mission, and uh, I think Wout's becoming kind of his secret weapon. Yeah, and what a secret weapon um, to have. You know, one of the best bicycle riders on the planet. Oh, it's it's a beautiful thing to see Wout van Aert go in a break up the Tourmalet with the sole purpose of being there for when Jonas bridged across. He wasn't going for the stage win. He was just making sure that he would be there uh, to provide the help until the very end. And to me, not only is Jonas the best climber so far in the race, uh, but I think that Yumbo are far exceeding UAE. And that's probably, to me, the more noticeable thing. Because we can talk about Jonas versus Pog all day. Uh, but that is is quite a quite a difference to me because, yeah, Team Yumbo, they, they have a lot of horses left in the race when it comes down to the mountains, but UAE is struggling. Mm. But to get uh, that that next day, Tade, to get that time back, he, he just looked like a beast. It's interesting. Uh, we were watching Merksy and, and I kept saying to you, he doesn't look himself. He doesn't look comfortable. Uh, and we also said a couple of weeks ago that we expected um, Pog would have to ride into it, you know, that it wasn't going to be easy for him uh, with not a lot of racing under his belt to just pop out and uh, be on form in the first week. And that may be what we're seeing, but he certainly doesn't quite look himself. Uh, three weeks, especially in a Tour de France, is a long one. Um, but he was quite funny at the end of the stage because he said uh, that on the Tourmalet when um, Yumbo really started turning the screws, and I'm using his exact words here, so don't shoot the messenger, he said, um, I thought, oh, shit, I may as well just pack my bags and go home. (laughs) But then he found his legs. And then on the final climb, uh, not only was he able to hang on, but he was able to attack Vingigo. But an observation from both of them, remembering we're in week one, we're not Mm. even at the weekend of week one, both Vingigo and Pogacar are absolutely at their limits. Mm. In both stage five and six, we have seen these close-ups of them literally drooling with exertion. It's quite cool to watch, actually. Yeah, well, I, I saw a great shot of uh, when, when our Jai, Elzy Jai Hindley, won his stage and um, uh, Jonas was trying to get him back and he was in a group and he, he got really cranky at the, the guys around him because they wouldn't pull a turn and... Uh, yeah, he was really frustrated, which which was telling, I thought. Ah, the politics of it all. And that's what is something to remember as well. The We'll talk about Jai in a minute, but the strategy that went into him taking the stage victory and taking over the Maillot Jaune, 
uh, was really savvy. The strategy of nobody riding with Jonas, really savvy. When Podgy won his stage, uh, stage six, I say his stage, uh, <laughs> next week we may have, you know, four examples of stages he's won. Uh, he also sat on Yumbo pretty much the entire time until he attacked uh, Jonas. So I think that a lot of that is going to come into play. And if it continues that Yumbo looked just so much stronger than any other team, they will use that to their advantage, um, riders like Podgy. But I do want to talk about Jaya because if we look at the GC as it currently stands toward the end of week one uh, with some sprinter stages ahead of us, we're seeing quite a clear emergence of who's on form and not. And, I mean, I, I think we can look at the last couple of days and acknowledge that uh, you can lose some big time on one day. <laughs> like, you don't you don't need a whole week to lose a lot of time at the Tour de France. Uh, but there really are kind of only three, potentially four if you want to expand it out, riders uh, who are in contention for the overall. Mm. We've talked about two of them uh, with Podgy and with Jonas, but the only other one within Kui mm. is Jai Hindley. Jai Hindley. Or as yeah. the Italians say, Jai Hindley. <laughs> well, <laughs> and even he sort of admitted at the end, you know, he was so thrilled and cool to see his family there as well. But, you know, he said that was not the plan. But he, he rolled with it and it was a great ride, incredible ride. But, you know, let's not forget the guy's won the Giro d'Italia. He has. it, And that's a good point because I think you can get stuck between the why are they underestimating him and also, uh, you know, why is he even potentially a little bit surprised. But a minute 34 he sits uh, in arrears on GC at the moment and he's won the Giro d'Italia but the Giro isn't the tour. I mean, it's such a beautiful race and it's such wonderful, wonderful racing. But it still remains that for the teams, for their sponsors, the Tour de France is it for the season. And a lot of teams and a lot of riders are specifically focusing on the Tour de France. And so it is just a level up. Um, he knows that himself yeah. and he's commented on that himself. But what we've watched is the realisation of a childhood dream. From about six years of age, Jai Hindley wanted to go to the Tour de France and he wanted to emulate his heroes. Uh, he was quite young when Tour de F when Cadell Evans won his first Tour de France, uh, the first an Australian, the only an Australian has won, and he sat at home as a teenager, a young teenager, thinking one day I could ride it. Yeah, and I, well, I saw some great uh, comments from Cadell himself saying that he got extremely emotional uh, seeing an Aussie wearing the yellow jersey. Yeah, I mean, I think, so... The eighth Aussie to wear it? The eighth Aussie to wear it. Mm. And we we need to just think about the impact that Cadell Evans has had on cycling in Australia, uh, where when he won back in 2011, so 12 years ago, Jai was 15 and dreaming of riding a Tour de France. So it's fair to say that he very significantly watched Cadell and thought, I can dare to do it. Yeah. You yeah, know, that this is possible. And and his parents, um, Gordon and Robin over there supporting his Tour de France debut. It's just such a magnificent moment. Uh, and so he's sitting in third at the moment, a minute thirty five down, 
I reckon, I reckon he's definitely looking to secure a podium because next down is Simon Yates and he's three minutes 14 down. So nearly two minutes between third and fourth. Again, things can change, but I'm happy. I'm I'm feeling happy with that. Yeah, that's very cool. We need to talk about Glutzy. What happened to Ben, you reckon? Look, I don't know. Um, To be honest, I I feel a bit disappointed for him. I'm going to put a theory on the table. We like our Hit me. theories and, and uh, like literally on the table. <laughs> literally on the table. Yeah, I've got a manifesto in here. I'm going to throw it all down. <laughs> um, ben O'Connor from Unchained, we learnt a bit more of the workings um, of what's going on um, at AG2R with him and with the team directors. There was a really confronting moment in Unchained where he could barely get off his bike and he did and said, I think I need an X-ray. And the team were very dismissive. Eh, yeah, get on the bus. There's another team meeting where he's saying, I can, I can barely walk. And they say to him, so today we ride for Ben. And Ben just looks at them mm. like, what's well, he going said, on I, here? I can't wait for the ride tomorrow, sarcastically. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because that kind of experience with that team really damages your relationship with the team, mm. your ability to trust them. Because when you say to them, I'm hurting, you kind of now know that they're not listening. And yeah. so I really, I, I've said to you, Merxie, that I had a similar experience when I was racing and I actually left the team because I felt like I could never really be that comfortable there again. Mm. And that I didn't know how Ben O'Connor could continue to be at his best in that team. Are we seeing that, do you think? Because that's my short... He, he was racing really well a couple of weeks ago, short of something physically happening, which mm. we haven't heard about. That's the only theory. Yeah. And and up until, you know, late in the piece, he was the, um, you know, the 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 outsider, you know, from the, the, the top two. He was the one that uh, a lot of the press were saying, you know, the one to watch. Yeah. Well, Wrong Aussie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're big supporters of Glutzy in here, but he, he's currently sitting uh, over six minutes down. And I think that we can probably safely say mm. he's not going to gain six minutes back. Both um, Western Australians. I know. We've been here at the wheelhouse. We've been trying. Mm. Basil's and Pillis. Uh, the mayor. Yes, the, the mayor. mayor of Perth. Uh, we have been rallying him for a statue. Mm. It was Glutzy. I've been in touch again. I've said, come on now, <laughs> these fellas. But it is really like an incredible breeding ground of talent over in the West. There's not a lot of hills there though. Well, no, there's not, but they do produce some great climbs. <laughs> well, there are, I think there's a few. Oh, look, I haven't done a lot of bike riding in Perth, mm. to be honest, but I don't understand there to be a lot of climbs. Mm. There's certainly no Alps or Pyrenees that, you know, they're ducking over at the moment. No. no. Well, they've... Leaving the Pyrenees now, where are we heading? We've got a couple of sprint stages coming up. What do you think about Caleb Ewan? Now, I'd like to just talk about his psychological welfare as well. I think that there's two different uh, positions for sprinters. There's riders like Jasper Philipson. Now, he is riding on a high uh, and on good form and his team is really supporting him. Uh, Mark Cavendish has Mark Renshaw there advising him and helping and trying to make that happen. Um, 
Caleb is getting better and sneaking through, but there were some really big time gaps uh, for the sprinters when it came to the mountains uh, that had to they had to contend with. Um, we're talking like they're losing over half an hour, uh, down to thirty eight minutes for some of them, and um, including three quarters of the Astana team. So they're all riding um, together back there with Mark Cavendish. And uh, Caleb's got a little bit of support too. But it's a very, very difficult tour, profile-wise. Yeah. Some flat stages coming up. But the damage that having the Tourmalay in the first week. Eek. Eek. Yeah, well, there's only six real opportunities for Cav to break that record. Well. And a couple of them are gone. But you're pretty steadfast that he's going to. I just love a, a good story, and I think the Tour de France never disappoints. Always delivers. Oh God! So week I think, one, um, so far. you know, it might, he might leave it till the Champs say. How good would that? Oh, be? that would. Yeah, I you know. think uh, let's dream. hope he doesn't. I leave mean, it that speaking way. of um, romantic stories at the Tour de France, uh, how's your fella going, Merxy? The one and only uh, Peter Sagan has he nudged a top ten in a sprint? And moving on. Um, <laughs> it's very disappointing. It, oh, look, it's, we have had one, uh, if we can mention, kind of improvement to the coverage this year from the World Feed, and that is that we're getting a little bit of race radio through. Yeah, it's a bit too safe, though. It's not live. They're, you know, it's, it's on delay, um, and it's very, you know, they censor it, and it's... It's a bit too sanitised for my liking. I think they could be a little bit more brave, to be honest. Mm. I I have to agree with that. I, there's a couple of things I've uh, taken from it to be a little bit interesting. Uh, and one of those was having um, EF chatting uh, to Nielsen Paulus. Now, he's currently leading the uh, King of the Mountains jersey. Um, the American, Which is cool, an American. Yes, and if you if you look at his, they've all got their little avatars on screen. Some of them are actually quite funny because they take their heads and then they put a generic jersey body on them, mm-hmm. um, which is quite funny given that it looks like Jasper Philipson has the same frame as um, Jonas Vingegaard, and so their heads look a little bit out of proportion. But Nielsen Paulus almost looks like he's generated by AI. Yes, I know what you mean. He's got the most symmetrical face I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. Anyway, they say to him on the race radio, these are the big players that you're riding with now. These are the serious guys, the big hitters. You belong here. You are one of them too. I love it. It's It's like a really cool motivational speech just to remind him, you know, no imposter syndrome here. You Mm. really belong here. And I think that's interesting because – if you go to other teams like Alperson, um, and we learned this from Unchained, watching them last year, yipes. They're like almost scaring the riders into getting the result. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, well, um, they are uh, commissioning a second season, by the way. Well, who do you want to see? Which is, oh, gosh. I don't, I, I don't know. I want to see more Yumba. I want to see the politics. Yes. It's, it's, you know. I wonder. I, you have to wonder... Um, just referring back to the cranky pants on Wout van Aert this week, how much of that doco got under his skin? 
Mm. Because he didn't like it at the time. He no, snapped I think at he, the media. He probably ended his Netflix uh, subscription. <laughs> he wasn't happy. But it makes a great story, and that's what they need to understand. It, it does. It, yeah, it certainly does. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, from my view, I'd like to see what's going on at Bora and uh, a little bit of the politics there as well. Uh, they seem like a very, you know, proactive, chilled, but supportive team. Um, to be part of. And, yeah, I'm finding that race radio, yeah, a little, like, mm. it's not uh, as interesting as it could be, but it does show kind of the different styles that the teams yeah. have. I mean, they've cracked it open. I think it'll only get better, um, you know, in terms of the, the way they use it. But, they're, yeah, it's starting off extremely safe, too safe for, for my liking. Too safe. Oh, you, you want some, like... Well, like Formula One. Real hijinks. Yeah, I want hijinks. I want cursing, emotion. <laughs> well, then, I mean, we've had a few little uh, slaps on the wrist, haven't we, so far, talking about peeling the curtain back. Glutes O'Connor. Oh, no. Yeah. Oops. You can't do that in... In public. What can't he do, Merxy? We'll have a wee. Yes, he got fined for public urination. Public urination. Now, if you've been watching... 200... uh, 200 Swiss francs. Isn't it fun that cycling still fines in Swiss francs? Mm. Yeah. It's... If you watch the coverage end to end, you see a lot of it. The riders Mm. just drop to the back and, and do that. But if you're watching the highlights, thankfully they edit that out. So, but given how much we see it, where did, where did Glutzy go to actually cop the fine? Yeah, I don't Through a I village? Don't know. I, I don't, don't want know. to know. Oh, dear. But uh, Matthew Heyman, he got a fine as well for uh, disobeying uh, a team, a um, official. Naughty, naughty, well, a commissaire. Yeah. Oh, the Aussies, what are, they're kind of making waves, some for the right reason, some for the not. And uh, speaking of the Aussies making waves, Joe Hindley's family. Uh, had these fantastic T-shirts on in support of him, as you would imagine and expect with his face all over it and uh, some writing. But then the next day on the coverage, we saw his dad in a bit of unusual get-up. He was wearing a Kangaroos NRL jersey. Oh, a rugby jersey. league jersey, yes. And a, and a, um, Canter- he had a Canterbury, Canterbury Bulldogs, Bulldogs hat. <laughs> Canterbury, what is it? Uh, Plantably. Canterbury. Yes, I'm doing well. <laughs> Which is strange to me because they're from WA. Mm. It's not a big rugby league. No. We'll he dig he into that. had a solid English accent, so it might be a bit of that heritage. But we're going to ask the hard questions. Mm. Well, SBS mm. ran some beautiful pictures, actually, of him with his dad on a motorbike. Uh, you know, I guess motor pacing him or something. Mm. But yeah, it was great photos um, of, of father and son training. They've done... They, I mean, they've... Uh, Kudos, a little shout out. I know you tend to uh, ban the shout outs, Merxy, but little shout out to SBS. They've done a fantastic job um, of, of bringing the tour to life for us. And uh, while we're talking about that, we have to um, say hello to Christoph Malay, who believes that the polka dot jersey should be the most heralded. We've never had an Australian uh, take that one away. And I'm disappointed to uh, say that we don't have anybody in the hunt. No, I do find it strange it. though. It's a, a race for climbers. Mm. So why isn't the winner of the Tour de France? Shouldn't they be the 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 climbers? Shouldn't they win the climbers? The overall, yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean, then what's I mean, the point? Well, that's right. 
Right, I see what you're saying. But there's also the sprint days. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see your point there. I think on a tour like this, you kind of have to assume. But it's interesting. If you actually look down uh, the KOM points, um, you'd probably be very surprised to know that Dylan Van Bala uh, is on there. Mm. He's a workhorse here for well, Yumbo. Wout's on there, isn't he? Uh, Wout is not on there. Uh, I no, he was on there. no. But uh, we do have... Um, a lot of names that you wouldn't necessarily wouldn't expect. expect and the names that you would expect are not there. So mm. Jai's not on there. Glutzy O'Connor, he's not on there. Mm. We need to move on to uh, the women's Girodonna. But before that, I just want to give a shout out to who I've decided is my new favourite team because I've been looking through the jerseys. A lot of jerseys I'm not loving this season. Um, but I'm really loving... Uno X. Oh, you got to describe it. Pretty much the Norwegians. It is red and it is yellow and it is very block featured, but it stands out quite strongly. And their right, the, their style of riding, a lot of young talent on there, is so cool that you see the jersey right up the front with all the big hitters. You know, you very often see. Yumbo riding on mass together, Ineos riding on mass together, etc. But you'll always see one or two of these quite distinctive Uno X jerseys. I like their style of racing. I think we've got some kind of new talent coming through uh, with those. And, and watch out. There's more Danes and Norwegians in the tour than ever. I think their uh, local television stations are getting very excited by it, <laughs> to be honest. Now, this is the Wheelhouse Podcast. Catherine Lindsay Bates and me, Luke, me is sometimes referred to as Merxy for some reason. <laughs> there is another big bike race going on, which I find weird. Why would they hold it during the biggest yearly sporting event on earth? But it's the Giro Adonna, Kate. Yes. The women's Giro d'Italia that they don't call the women's Giro d'Italia. <laughs> they used to call it the Giro Rosa. It is now the Giro Donna. Uh, we previewed it. A uh, couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how Annemiek van Vloten, she was the one to watch. And uh, we can report, Merxie, she's still the one to still watch. Still the one to watch. Uh, it's a bit but... of a, a, a strange race this year because they actually have a rest day. Um, so the, the UCI rule is you can't race for more than 10 days without then having a rest day. So you get a lot of the shorter tours that are 10 days. Uh, but because they're putting a massive transfer uh, into the race... They're transferring down to Sardinia. Uh, they've actually got a rest day two days before the finish. Uh, but up until that stage, Annemiek van Vloten knocking it out of the park. Yet again, three stage wins so far and uh, nearly four minutes up in the race for GC. She's amazing. Um, I did want to mention, though, um, Tade's partner, the day he got a minute put on him, she she crashed out with a with a bad concussion. Yeah, I see what you did there, Erska Ziggart. Erska yes. Ziggart. I wonder if the uh, Belgians are once again calling her Tade's girlfriend or fiance. Yes, we know that she crashed out because we were following the race. But more than that, well, I bring it up because he said he was more concerned about her than than having you know a minute put on him by yes, Jonas. I like that. I like That's that too. A, because it shows that at the end of the day, you know, they're human. It, it, that And that comment and the comment by him 
that um, up the Tourmalay, he thought he might as well pack his bags and go home. That's kind of revealing a lot about him, isn't it? But there have been some revelations at uh, the Women's Giradonna. And the first one, friend of the wheelhouse, Neve Fisher-Black. Oh, yes. Racing like an absolute rock star. uh, Under-23 world champion from last year. Now, she's... Um, down on GC, but she's been taking a few more chances, doing a lot of attacks, climbing like a demon. It's been really uh, great to see her really coming of age. She's second on the Queen of the Mountains classification behind Annemiek van Vloten. Uh, so she's actually wearing uh, that jersey in the day. But it's just a really it, coming of age for her because she's been there and thereabouts for a number of years but hasn't quite had the ability to step up. I'm really happy to see uh, SD Works giving her those chances, especially on a team where there's just this incredible talent pool. Right? Mm. I mean, they've got just so many people that do and can win races. Uh, so it's hard sometimes to, to get the opportunities. Uh, but the other rider who's been absolutely incredible is Antonia Niedermeyer, uh, the young German. Now, she showed... Annemiek van Vloten up uh, on stage four, won the stage, held a chasing van Vloten off uh, to take the stage. Unfortunately, she crashed the next day and is out of the race. Uh, So that's like turn of fortune, right? Uh, But really, really good um, to see that we've got some talent really stepping up and not being intimidated by the big names uh, because I think that that's something – uh, that we do see often. And also, Elisa Longo-Borghini, uh, she had a crash. She was a bit worried about how she was feeling. They did give her the okay Trek Lidl to continue racing, but she wanted to take uh, a little bit of time out and be able to rest as she needed and recover for the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, which is up next, of course. So a lot of action in the in the women's Giro, but Van Vloten, she's going for the... Dutch Cup. <laughs> She's going for her fourth victory in a row, which would put her on equal paring uh, with Anna van der Breggen. What about the Aussie ladies? So the Aussies are not having... Mixed bag? Yeah, mixed bag. We've, we've got quite a number of riders out there. Pretty impressed with Lizzie Stannard, uh, who stepped up from the NRS, and she's riding for Israel Premier Tech. And she's been kind of midfield... Uh, it's the sprinters, I think, who perhaps had hoped uh, for a little bit um, more of a show that haven't quite been able to pull it together. Ruby Roseman Gannon did get a top 10, so she was eighth uh, on stage four. So that's promising for her. Uh, but I think that it's been a bit of a strange race and a bit of a strange run-in. And um, I'm hoping that the Aussies perhaps uh, can gain a little bit of form and momentum toward the Tour de France femme. That's I just wish they'd, they'd, they'd move the, the date of the race. It doesn't well, get enough coverage. It doesn't get the coverage it deserves. No, sure. and, that, and that's a good point because next year is even more of a disaster uh, because of the Olympic Games. Yeah, right. So they have to move the women's Giro. The Tour de France starts earlier. The women's Tour de France then is after the Olympics. It starts actually the day after the closing ceremony. Uh, next year's calendar is totally wackadoo. Mm. So next year's Women's Giro will be in the third week of the 
men's Tour de France. Mm. It doesn't get any better. They need to. They need to have a meeting. Get around the table. They really the do. When they're doing the calendar, they they really need to look at the men's and the women's together. Mm. Because I can tell you, you have to search on social media to find any news mm. about the women's racing, and but that's also that's a bummer know, from a, a coverage point of view. I mean, you know, organisations are stretched as it is. So if you have to send a reporter to the the Tour de France, obviously that's going to take precedent. But mm. you would like the the women's race to be covered as well, right? But if you put them on at the same time, that makes it really difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. And I know organisations like SBS who are trying to get us all of the coverage, uh, you know, on every medium possible for the Tour de France, and they will do for the Tour de France Femme, then they also have the Giro. And when the organisation has been... So let's let's say lacklustre mm. so that I don't swear. Uh, you can swear. It's, it's really hard for them to even schedule the programming to show it and promote it when they don't even know what's coming down the pipeline. Mm. Yeah, um, but also from a sponsorship and sales point of view, if you know, you're a part mm. of that women's race up against the Tour de France. I mean, you're not yeah, going to get as, it's gotta, it's eye, be as many a, eyeballs as you should. It's got to be a, if you build it, they will mm, come mm. Um, kind of thing. And also, I noticed the wheelhouse is now on threads by Instagram because yes. Twitter, the cat, poor couch Peloton on Twitter have bad just timing. been bad timing to be throttled, uh, tripping over themselves, mm. missing out on a lot of tweets. We're, uh, so, we're trying to get a comment from Elon Musk on that um, <laughs> at the risk of being sued. Yes. Yes. Uh, Bring it. Sorry, Elon. Yes, but you will now find us um, over on Threads as well. So give that a go. 30 million signups on the first day. We were uh, one of 30 those. 30 million to, to our account? <laughs> no, not to our account. Oh, sorry. To, right. <laughs> we can only We're not dream. quite influencers um, there uh, yet. Before we go, uh, there's been a little bit of movie news this week. Barbie, the Barbie movie. Oh, yeah. Now this is an interesting one. How do we how do we segue to this? Why are we talking about this? <laughs> well, on a, on a we're talking podcast. about this. We're going to put a photo up on our social media because uh, <sighs> it's a cracker. But my auntie Cheryl Shezzy, as she's affectionately known, uh, when I was world champion in two thousand and seven, she made me a world champion Barbie. Here it is. So look at you. Got to describe it. Oh well, she's pretty cool. She's me. Pretty yes, much, well. with uh, white lycra on, rainbow stripes, little gold medal around her neck, uh, world champion Barbie completely bizarre. in a world champion Barbie box, no less. Yep. Honey Shazzy pulled out all the stops. I've never seen anything like it. But, I mean, <laughs> so, fitting. It, yes. I thought it looked like Margot Robbie. Yes, well, Margot Robbie's been doing the rounds, hasn't she? she Promoting has. the movie. And uh, I can tell you, in the in the works, Merxie, mm. is um, Barbie... At least likenesses for the wheelhouse team. Yes, I've I've actually met Margot Robbie oh. at a at a movie premiere. Have you now? Sure. Did you ask she her if lovely. she rides a bike? She does not ride a bike. She's from the Gold Coast, incidentally. Well, Gold Coast it's girl. beautiful weather to to ride uh, a bike on the Gold Coast. She did want to come on the wheelhouse, but she had nothing to really <laughs> offer, and we don't give away free promotions. Well, to, so. to add to the campaign for Basil Zempillis trying to get a statue over in the West, we can add Margot Robbie on a bike. Yeah, we can Get try and do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> well, another episode of the Wheelhouse. Thank you for joining us, oh. uh, Couch Peloton. I know that 
the Tour de France is an exhausting time for everybody, whether you're trying to watch while at work um, yeah. before your boss catches you uh, or overnight for the Aussies. Yeah, which is why, and I thank you for uh, buying a new coffee machine for our house. I did, yes. keep well, us going after this, watching this day. Yes, I, I did uh, hear in commentary last night that uh, Bridie and Matt Keenan were talking about how they just got a new coffee machine in their commentary box and Simon Gerrans was like the happiest kid in the world and I thought that's what Merck's is like. Well, the problem is though, right, in a commentary box, what happens if you drink a lot of coffee? It means you've got to... It means somebody has to talk while, while, you, have a while you go for a run, while you do a glutes O'Connor. Yeah. Just don't get fined. Yeah, don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Classy finish to the end of the week. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will see you uh, next week for more Tour de France action. Don't worry, Joel, we'll be back then. <laughs> Bye.